Well, I promise that not every sermon we do in this season is going to center on uh, what's happening in the world around us, but it just feels disingenuous to not preach through the lens of what's happening in our world. Very few times in our history has the world been affected like this pandemic is affecting our world. And not just physically with our health, but financially, relationally, socially, politically, this is affecting our entire world. And one of the biggest questions that comes out of times like this is the question, why? Why is all this happening? It's a legitimate question. You might have asked that question yourself. I know I've asked that question in this time. And the question why is what I want to be our launching pad for what we're talking about today. If you don't know, my name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor here at Element, and I am so glad uh, that you've chosen to tune in today. If you're new to Element Church, thank you so much uh, for being our guest online. As soon as we are able to gather again in person, if you live in Cheyenne or the Cheyenne area, we'd be honored to have you as our guest. Whenever they tell us it's safe for us to meet again, we'd invite you to come in person. Until then, we will continue to offer online content for all of us to engage in. Even in the midst of this crazy time in which we live, our vision as a church remains the same. We exist to help guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships, and make a lasting impact. And I'm going to keep challenging all of us to do those four things that are in our control during this out-of-control time. I'm challenging us to pray, Give, serve, and connect. We need to pray for God to intervene in a mighty way in this uncertain time. As we are able to, we should give as God directs us to give. I know that this will hit many of us financially in different ways. But as we are able, we should, should give as God directs us in Scripture. We should serve those around us. Uh, make sure you're being responsible and, and safe, but, but find needs around you and meet those needs. And then we should all do our best to stay connected. I'll say it again. We will get through this church, but we'll only get through it together. And so I'm challenging us to stay connected. Even if it's an online connection, let's stay connected together. In the Grave Robber sermon series that we are in, we are walking through, in order, each miracle of Jesus recorded in the Gospel of John. I had a different direction planned uh, for the passage we're preaching on today, but as I, as I sat down this week to read through the miracle again, I was struck by something in the very first two verses of our passage. It fits perfectly into what we are facing today and this question that I think many of us are asking, the question, why? The main scripture for today is John 9, verses 1 through 38. John 9, 1 through 38. We won't read every single verse today, but I would encourage you to, to read it sometime on your own. It's a fabulous story of a miracle that Jesus performs. John 9, starting in verse 1, says this. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples, asked him, why was this man born blind? Why? The questions haven't changed in over 2,000 years. Uh, whenever something bad happens, 
Whether it's something like happening today that affects all of us in some way or, or something that affects only one person like this blind man, we, we have the tendency to ask, why? Why? For, for some of you, it's, it's asking that question that's actually led you to not believing in God. And first of all, if that's you, man, I'm honored and humbled that you've even chosen to, to watch us online. Second of all, uh, you'll be loved here and you'll be welcome here, uh, whether you ever believe what we believe or not. And, and there's nothing wrong with asking the question, why? Nothing. God's not afraid of our questions. And we as his followers should not be afraid of those questions either. That the disciples asked the question 2,000 years ago uh, that humans have been asking ever since. Why? Why was this man born blind? And then they give a, a possible answer in the last part of verse 2. They, they ask, was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? You see, in this day, Jewish people actually believed that every calamity was the effect of a specific sin. Many Jews actually believed that, that babies could sin before they were born. So if this man were born blind, it was either for his sins or his parents' sins. Now, ultimately, if I had to give an answer as to why all this is happening, ultimately, my answer is sin. Not, not specific sin, but just sin in general. All the way back in the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible, we are told that God made everything in creation, including humanity, and he said it was all good. It's good. No death, no disease, no destruction, no decay. He then placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and he gave them one command. You are free to eat from every tree in the garden except one tree. If you eat from that tree, you'll die. Now, we don't know how long Adam and Eve lived in the freedom of eating from the trees in the garden, the freedom of this perfect world. But as soon as they ate from that tree, as soon as Adam and Eve chose sin, death entered the universe. Not just into us, but the, the world, the Bible says, is groaning, waiting for Christ to return and make it whole again. And ever since Adam and Eve sinned, ever since then, from Adam and Eve to you and me, we have been making choices that only compound death, disease, destruction, and decay until he comes back again. So, so why is this happening? Well, you could legitimately answer because of sin. But but please, please hear me. In no way am I trying to minimize or trivialize what's happening in our, in our world today. It is tragic. It breaks my heart, and I know it breaks the heart of God. But I do want to help us today to start to see above or start to see beyond the problem in which we live and see something greater today. The disciples asked, why was this man born blind? We might be asking today, why? And look at John 9, verse 3. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God, 
could be seen in him. The power of God. And church, that's what I'm praying for today. I, I don't know why all this is happening. I, I don't know why. But, but I am praying that even in the midst of disease and death and destruction and decay, that the power of God would be on display today. The power of God would be seen even in the midst of what we are facing. In fact, this is what I believe is the big idea for today. The power of God is always revealed in the problems we face. The power of God is always revealed in the problems we face. Now, the temptation in times like these is to believe that our problems hide God's power or reveal that he has no power, or if he does have power, we can't trust him. But I believe it's in our problems that the power of God is always seen. So here's the big question I think we have to then answer today. What power does Jesus want to reveal? In this moment, what power does he want to reveal? Now, yes, spoiler alert, in this story, Jesus gives sight to the blind man. But the miracle power is not the power I want to focus on today. That's too easy. That's the easy part. What happens next in the story is super funny to me, and it's incredibly awkward. I can promise you this would not be acceptable in our social distancing and extreme sanitizing world in which we live. I don't recommend this method of praying for someone if you're praying for someone's healing. But, but Jesus said this happened so the power of God could be revealed. Then verses 6 through 9 says this. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. Like, can you imagine being this guy? You, you can't see what's happening, but your ears work just fine. You, you're hearing what's being said, and then you hear someone hock a loogie, spit on the ground. Then you feel something on your eyes, and you're like, wait, wait a minute. What are you doing? Are you, are you rubbing spit in my eye? That's disgusting, right? Verse seven, he told him, Jesus just did it. Go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was. Others said, nope, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. The power of God is always revealed in the problems we face. So what power does God want to reveal in this moment? I only have one point today and we've got some sub points to go along with it. But here's, I think, the power that God wants to reveal to me anyway. Power over our assumptions. Power over our assumptions. This is what stood out to me this week as I shifted gears with this passage. Whenever we're faced with a problem, especially a problem like the one we are facing in life today. We, we make assumptions. Specifically, we make assumptions about God, about Jesus. And the first assumption he wants to reveal his power over is, is one I see in what we just read here. It's the power over letter A, what he can do. 
the, the power over what he's able, what he can do. In the story, the people didn't believe that the man who could now see was the same man who was blind. Why? Because that would be impossible. Be impossible. No way could that be the same man. And their response is almost comical, isn't it? I mean, they were like, well, he looks like the guy who was blind, but he can't be the same guy. And the guy was like, no, it's me. I can't prove it's me. I've never seen myself before, but I know it's me, right? In our problems, I believe God always wants to reveal his power over our assumptions of what he can or cannot do. When the angel visited Mary, the mother of Jesus, and told her that as a virgin, you will conceive a child and give birth to the Messiah, the Son of God. Mary said, how can this be? And Luke 1.37, the angel said, for nothing is impossible with God. Nothing's impossible with God. Now, I got to admit, some of the things we are facing with this pandemic, they seem impossible to me. I'm just going to say that. It seems impossible to overcome. Whether it's controlling the outbreak, finding a cure, recovering the economy, just keeping businesses open, homeschooling our kids. Can I get a witness up in here? Like Jesus, take the wheel, right? Like it just seems impossible to overcome some of these, of these things, which is what these people thought as well. It's impossible that this man can see. They even went on to ask him how it happened. In John 9, 10, and 11, they asked, well, who healed you? What happened? How, how is this possible? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So he went and washed, and now I can see. The power of God's always revealed in the problems we face. So what power does God want to reveal? Well, I believe he wants to reveal his power over our assumptions of what he can or cannot do, but also his power over the next thing here, how he does it. The power over how he does it. Don't we often have an opinion of how Jesus should work in our problems? <laughs> I know I do. I'm always trying to give God advice. When Jesus put mud made from saliva on the man's eyes and told him to walk to the pool of Siloam and wash, that had to sound like nonsense. I mean, if Jesus was God, he didn't have to use those other things. In fact, in other places in scripture, we see Jesus heal blind people without using spit or dirt or washing, uh, uh, walking to a pool to, to wash your, yourself off. So why did Jesus do that here? Why was that his method? Well, Adam Clark, one of my favorite theologians, said this in his commentary. Perhaps the best lesson we can learn from this is that God will do his own work in his own way and will often accomplish his plans in ways that appear entirely contrary to the end result. Not good. The Apostle Paul said something similar in Romans chapter 11, verses 33 and 34. The Apostle Paul says this, Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge! 
How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? Wow. Listen, I don't know how God is working in all of this. I just have to believe he's working. He's working. So, so my prayer then has to be, Jesus, it, it, it seems like you are using spit and dirt and, 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 and a pool to solve this problem and it doesn't make any sense to me and it doesn't seem like it's working, Jesus. But however you choose to work, I trust you. However you choose to work, I trust you. That has to be our prayer in this. That I don't get to decide how Jesus works in all of this. I can only trust that he's working. We can't see the end result of what he's doing. The power of God is always revealed in the problems we face. So what power does God want to reveal? Well, I believe God wants to reveal his power over our assumptions of what he can and cannot do, how he does it. Next thing, when he does it. <laughs> when he does it. John 9, 12 through 16 says this. Where is he now? They asked. I don't know, he replied. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. The Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, he put the mud over my eyes and when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man Jesus is not from God for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was deep division of opinion among them. The Pharisees were upset because Jesus healed on the Sabbath, which they saw as sinful because healing required work and you weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath. For us though, for me, it's not that I get upset when Jesus works on a certain day. I, we get upset when Jesus doesn't work today in the way we think he should. We don't like when he works. Jesus wants to reveal his power over our assumptions in when he should work. Again, if, if, if God is delaying in, in responding to this problem, we, we, we have to believe he's delaying for a reason. For who can know his decisions and his ways? Who knows anything that can give God advice? That, that not only can, can we not see all that God is doing, but we can't see when he's doing it. And, and I'll tell you, church, in the midst of this crisis, I have been pleading with God to draw people unto himself in this. That, that Lord, use this time where, where couples are stuck at home together to restore marriages. Lord, Lord use this time of financial collapse, where when some people are wondering where their next meal will come from, Lord, use this time to remind all of us that you are the only true source of life, that God, I want you, I'm asking you to stop this right now. But as long as it continues, Lord, would you use it to reveal your power? That's what I'm praying that God would do. 
Power over my assumptions, God, of what you can and cannot do. Power over my assumptions of how you should do it. Power over, over my assumptions of, of when you, you should do it. That, that, Lord, would you bring a spiritual awakening to our world right now? That's what we should be praying in this times of problems that we are facing, church. That should be our prayer. Lord, in the delay, awaken hearts towards you. In 2 Peter 3, verse 9, uh, Peter wrote a letter to Christians who lived in, in the Roman province and they were facing persecution, trials, problems of many kinds. And, and these Christians were, were basically saying, well, what about the promise that Christ would come back? What about his promise that he'd make all things new? Where's Jesus? And Peter said this, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to repent. Everyone to come to repentance. Which leads right into the last thing I want us to see here. The power of God is always revealed in the problems we face. So what power does God want to reveal? Power over our assumptions of what he can and cannot do, how he can do it, when he should do it. And the last thing, who he is. Power over our assumptions of who he is. John 9, 17 and 18 says this, then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion about this man who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. The Jewish leader still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see, so they called in his parents. We're going to skip a few verses here for sake of time, but the parents were afraid that they'd be expelled from the synagogue, so they refused to answer. So the Pharisees brought the man back in. They asked him about what happened again. They accused Jesus of being a sinner. They said, there's no way he's from God. Verse 25 I don't know whether he's a sinner, the man replied, but I know this, I was blind and now I can see. That's one of the greatest testimonies in all of scripture, by the way. The Pharisees then, skipping a few verses, got even angrier. They, they again made accusations against Jesus and against this man. He can't be from God. He's a sinner. Now verses 30 through 38. Why, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he's ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. You were born a total sinner, they answered. Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, do you believe in the son of man? That can also be translated son of God. In essence, he's asking the man, do you believe I am the Messiah? The savior of the world? God in the flesh? The man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said. And he worshiped Jesus. The power of God is always revealed in the problems we face. 
And the greatest power I think Jesus wants to reveal in this moment now to all people is the power over our assumptions of who he is. Notice the progression the man made about Jesus. The first time he was asked about who healed you, he said, the man they call Jesus. The second time he was asked, he said, well, he must be a prophet. The third time he was asked, he said, oh, he's sent from God. But then Jesus took it to the final level. Do you believe I am the son of God? Messiah, savior of the world, God in the flesh. And listen, those are our only options to decide who Jesus is. He's asking the same question today of all of us. Do you believe that I'm God? Do you believe? And our only four responses are, well, he's the man, just a man they call Jesus. Ah, he was a prophet. I'll give him that. Maybe he was sent by God or he is God himself, even in the midst of our problem. And what did the man do when he acknowledged Jesus as God? He worshiped him. But that word worship, it was just sticking out to me. You see, in our English language, we have one word for worship, worship. In the Greek language, there was several words for worship describing different kinds of worship. So I looked up this word worship in the Greek language that it was written, and the word is this, proskuneo, proskuneo. <laughs> Say that five times really fast. Proskuneo. It means this, to go down on my knees in worship. In many cases, it actually meant to kiss the ground when bowing before a superior. Wow. When this man came face to face with Jesus, he hit the ground in surrender. And I wonder, church, I wonder if that should be our response to Jesus today. I know not everyone will be comfortable doing this, but I'm going to. And if you're able, I'd ask you to do the same. Here in a moment, I'm going to go down on my knees in worship and surrender before Jesus. And if you're not comfortable doing this in your living room, you won't be comfortable doing this anywhere. But I'm, I'm asking all of us together to hit our knees in surrender and worship before Jesus. If, you, if you're unable to get on your knees or you just don't feel like doing it, maybe you just put out your hands like this. And we're going to close today in a prayer of worship and surrender to Jesus, the God who has power over and above all of our problems. We're going to proskuneo before Christ today. So if you want to hit your knees, if you want to put your hands out and in worship, you can. And I just want us to pray. Jesus, would you unite your church together today
in worship and in prayer. We, we, pro, we proskuneo you. We, we hit our knees in surrender before you, Jesus. And Jesus, I acknowledge that you have power over my assumptions of what you can and cannot do. You have power over my assumptions of how you do it. You have power over my assumptions of when you should do it. And you have power over my assumptions of who you are. You're not just a man. You are more than a prophet. Yes, you were sent from God because you are God in the flesh. So Jesus, we surrender to you. Lord, if there's anyone within the sound of my voice who has yet to surrender their heart to you by faith, I pray they do that right now, that they call out to you in forgiveness. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean, make me new, come into my heart. Awaken, Lord, souls today. Turn people from their sinful ways and lead them to follow you. And Lord, as we walk, continue to walk through this problem, I ask you, God, in the name of Jesus, that you would help us to trust you. You are God, and we are not. So we surrender, proskuneo, you. In Jesus' name, amen.